All righty, let's rock this one, my friend. Uh, the numbers of contact, of course, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. We'll do a bunch of emails later today. And direct contact for Lior anytime, one 821 5900 Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Uh, we always start, uh, brother, with the week that was. That's so right. Let's do it. That's right. Why, why should we uh, make this week any different? Right, <laughs> That's right. So welcome to all our listeners, and uh, happy that you can join us to talk about employment law today. And we're taking your emails, so please uh, contact us. Happy to answer any questions. Questions. Now, uh, talk about a couple of situations that I saw this week, things that I think would be of interest to, to people. Uh, the first situation I'm going to talk about, John, uh, tells us again, yet again, why it's important to get legal advice. I had a gentleman that called me. He had worked uh, in a company selling uh, windows and doors. Yep. Uh, had been in that company for 12 years. Uh, always considered an independent contractor, which mm-hmm. in, for some reason many salespeople are. Uh, and he was let go, and when he was let go, he was owed another $1,500 in commissions that he okay. hadn't gotten paid. So he called me about that said, listen, this company, they refused to pay me 1500 bucks in commission. So I said, okay, why don't you come in and, and let's sit down and take a look at this. So yep. we, we, we sat down, I looked at all his documents, the history of his uh, position with the company, and yeah, sure enough, they owed him 1500 bucks, no question. But, but, hold on. I also determined that he was not really an independent contractor. Surprise, he was surprise. Either, exactly, yeah. either an employee or a dependent contractor, mm-hmm. which means when the company let him go after 12 years, they owed him severance. Okay, and this guy obviously didn't have a clue about that. He thought he just owed the 1500 bucks. And when I told him, listen, you're probably owed a year's compensation here Hello. on top of the measly 1500 bucks, uh, he couldn't believe it. Uh, and, and it's, again... Why is that the case? Why should he get it if he was technically an independent contractor? The reason for that is that the law does not care what you call yourself. Mm -hmm. So if he's not an independent contractor because he worked exclusively, almost exclusively for this company for 12 years, uh, he got almost all of his income from this company, he took directions from them, he had a company business card, guess what? He works for them. Exactly. He's not an independent contractor. So you can't terminate the relationship without paying severance. So we went from... Uh, this guy thinking he's owed 1500 bucks to now knowing that he's owed a year's pay. And I'm working with him to get that uh, right now. And I, I assure you, John, a lot of our listeners may be in that situation right now when they feel that they didn't, shouldn't be getting anything because mm-hmm. they were independent contractors, but they may not be. So they have to get legal advice on that front. Now, for the guy like him, uh, for all those you know, listening who are also in sales working on 100% commission, that 12 years uh, when you're working with him now to get his severance, is that based on an overall average of commissions over yeah. the 12 years? Yeah. And we probably wouldn't be looking at 12 years necessarily, right. but we'd be looking at the last three, say, okay. because that would be hopefully a reflection of what he would have earned had he stayed on for, for another gotcha. year. So yep. probably three years is usually the, the number that we would look at, the average three years. Okay, cool. Now, the second situation I'll tell you about, uh, our friend's John, at the Ministry of Labor strike again, <laughs> yet again. And I, I could probably just talk about the Ministry of Labor all the time, every time. Uh, but in this particular case, uh, this gentleman had called the Ministry of Labor. He was let go, uh, and uh, he would have been entitled to two years' pay. He had worked the co- for the company for 40 years. Wow. He was uh, 61 years old. Yep. Uh, and they offered him 12 months' compensation. Now, uh, he called the Ministry of Labor. And what the Ministry of Labor said, no, no, really, they only had to pay you eight weeks, and oh, anything God. over that is bonus. Those are the words used by the Ministry sure. of Labor. Unfortunately, this gentleman, not knowing differently, he signed uh, the offer, the 12 months offer. And thought he scored, right? He thought what he a scored. windfall. And then, of course, he uh, then heard our show and used the severance calculator, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. later, and found out, wait a second, actually, that's half of what I was owed. Exactly. I was owed two years' pay. So now he called me, and I'm, I'm working with him to see if I can get him out of this uh, document 
Potentially, we may have to go after the Ministry of Labor for giving negligent advice, which you know I've done before. But and, and it's a very sad situation because it's going to be very difficult for this guy to find another job. You know, in his, he's in his 60s. Mm-hmm. He was making good salary. And now he only has a year to do it, and he may take much longer than that. Uh, so, you know, a very, very difficult situation. So, again, my advice, please, if you, you don't take anything out of this show, take this. You cannot contact the Ministry of Labor. The Ministry of Labor cannot help you if you lose your job, okay? They, they can only advise you with respect to your minimum entitlements, not your full entitlements. To, to find out the full entitlements, you got to call me. You got to you go to severancepaycalculator.com. Uh, and that's the only way you can find out. And worse, like we had uh, like we had a caller last week, you not only call the minister, but you also open up a file, a case with them. You, then you're sunk, right? Then you are sunk. And why are you sunk? Because once you actually file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor, you are then prevented from withdrawing that complaint and pursuing your full entitlements. So to use an example with this case, let's say they had only given him six weeks' pay. Right. Okay? He could have filed a complaint with the Ministry of Labor, and the Ministry of Labor could have gotten him that extra two weeks, eight weeks' pay. But Big they deal. couldn't have gotten him two Two years pay, but by filing that complaint, he would have been prevented from actually pursuing two years pay. So by doing that, he could have been out $100,000. Totally shooting yourself in the foot. Oh, absolutely. It's the worst thing you can do. Before we uh, get to a break here again, uh, the numbers they want to call anytime, one 855 and Lior at com. Before we uh, take a quick break, I want to get into uh, returning to work after medical absence or disability. We had a lot of phone calls on this last week. Um, let me start with this. How long can an employee be off before uh, or because of a medical issue? Yeah, and, you know, a lot of... Uh questions come up on this issue. Every time we talk about it, John, I have a lot of emails, a lot of calls about this, Mm because there's a lot of people out there, unfortunately, uh, that are off work for medical conditions, maybe related to work, maybe unrelated, but but it's very, very common. So let's start off by saying that there's no time limit for being off work, okay? It's not about, well, I can be off for a a week or a month or even a year. Many absences uh, could be a few years uh, at length, and we'll talk more about when that can happen. But at the end of the day, as long as the doctor says you have to be off work for medical reasons, you're allowed to be off work. There's nothing the employer can do to prevent that. The employer is not allowed to uh, penalize you for it. And you can be off as long as you need to be. We're going to drop in a few emails uh, throughout the show. You want to give us one or Lior one, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. And his number anytime, off show hours, 1-855-821-5900. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up on Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900, CHML. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. And his number anytime, he's got it with him all the time, 1-855-821-5900. Please give him a call outside of show hours as well. And I know you have questions. They can be answered. Uh, We're talking about returning to work after a medical absence or disability. Uh, When can an employee return to work? Well, an employee usually should only return to work when their doctor approves them. When the doctor says you're now able to return to work, you're clear to return, whether it's with limitations or without, Mm -hmm. that's when the employee can return back to work. So it's not the employee's call and certainly not the employer's call. The employer can't decide unilaterally where you have to come back within this period of time. Only if the doctor approves them. And most employers, by the way, John, will be quite wise not to let employees back to work if they've been off for a while until they actually get that written clearance from a doctor, okay? To protect themselves, to protect themselves from liability, they would want to know that the employee, you know, you've been off for six months. Right. If you want to come back to work, fine. Providing you with that medical Make note. sure you're clear to yeah. come back. So the, yeah. so the doctor is the judge and jury on that, only the doctor. So how does the employee prepare to come back after disability? What should they do? Well, when an employee is ready to come back to work, they have to get that medical clearance, and they have to provide that to their um, uh, employer. Now, they also have to advise the employer, uh, and again, that has to come from the doctor, 
whether there's any limitations. Either there's limitations in terms of the job that they can do, they can't lift things over a certain amount of weight, they can't stand for a certain amount of time, or maybe in terms of hours. So I can, I can only come back to work for 10 hours a week gradually and then work my way up. So they have to find whatever limitations uh, or find out if there's any limitations and advise their employer. Once they advise the employer, then the ball uh, goes into the employer's court and it's up to the employer at that point to provide that accommodation. And what types of accommodation uh, can an employee make or provide when returning to work? Yeah, well, an employer has a very strict duty to accommodate. And in law, we refer to that as the duty to accommodate to the point of undue hardship. What that really means is an employer has to provide accommodation, even if it's difficult to do that, mm-hmm. even if it requires some work and some effort on the employer's part. And that can mean a bunch of things, John. That can mean the employer finding other duties, uh, relocating the employee, providing the employee with help, maybe someone to assist them to do the job, right. uh, allowing them to return to work gradually, uh, any type of accommodations that are reasonable. Now, an employer does not have to go to an extreme end and just pay them to be there, you know, pay them to dig a hole and then, dig, uh, and then fill it back in right. just for the purpose of saying that they're there. But if the employer can provide meaningful work within the limitations of the employee, then the employer has to do it. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred Lior at employmenthour.com. Let me uh, we got a, a few uh, emails flooding, so let's bounce over to one before we continue with more about the uh, disability talk. Adam uh, from Ottawa, let me pull this one out. It says I was given an ultimatum to either resign or be fired because the owner of the company caught me talking on Skype at the office. I have until Monday to decide what do I do. Yeah, well, uh, so here's uh, here's the the thing. First of all. Let's determine whether this is cause right. or not. So if the guy, if the guy uh, Adam, spoke on Skype, that may be a violation of some sort of a work policy. But to the extent that this is an isolated incident and his record is otherwise clear, it's not even close to being no. cause. So if the employer wants to terminate, that would be a termination without cause, which means the employer has to pay severance. If that's the case, then there's no reason for Adam to ever resign. Because the only thing that happens if he resigns is he doesn't get severance. Well, the other thing that would happen, he also would not get EI if he resigns. So there's nothing in it for him to resign. Uh, The employer cannot terminate uh, for cause. So what I would tell him to do is tell his employer that he doesn't feel he did anything to justify termination. Certainly he feels that he doesn't, uh, that's not warranted and he won't be resigning. And the employer has to do what the employer has to do. If the employer does terminate his employment, I want him to understand that he is owed severance, uh, and he should give me a call if that happens because, number one, I want to make sure that he gets it, and number two, that he gets the right amount. Talking about uh, returning to work after disability or extended leave. Now, um, what if the employer refuses to take the employee back or refuses to accommodate, simply says, I have nothing for you? Yeah, and, you know, that that's something that, unfortunately, we see often. And usually it doesn't come from a, from a malicious place, I guess, from the employer's perspective. It's really lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. Employers may not know that they have the legal obligation to take the employee back. Uh, I actually, earlier uh, this week, I had a case where uh, what the employer had said, the employees, well, we have a company with less than 50 employees, so we don't have to allow you to come back to work if the absence is more than 30 days. Yeah, it makes sense. Nonsense. That's, that's made up law. That doesn't Absolutely. exist. So uh, if the employer uh, refuses to take the employee back, there's, that's a twofold problem for the employer. Number okay. one, uh, they're now deemed to have terminated the employee, uh, which means that they have to pay them severance. 
but potentially even more serious is the fact that that would be a human rights violation. If you don't take an employee back because they went on a disability leave, you're not accommodating them when they're, on a, when they're sick or when they uh, have physical limitations, that's a violation of the human rights code. So that, that's a serious matter. That could be the can and there probably will be legal proceedings against you. So uh, the recourse for the employee is to, seek recourse, uh, is to seek compensation, either for wrongful dismissal, human rights violations, or both. Would the human rights violation compensation be sizable compared to, say, the severance package, depending on how long they work, their age, and all that stuff? Uh, believe it or not, usually the, the bigger chunk is the severance. Oh, okay. uh, the human rights violation, usually uh, the, the amount you can get for that is small, but, uh, or not and by small in relative terms, you know, it could be twenty five, thirty thousand mm-hmm. $30,000, nothing to scoff at. But the one thing that the, the human rights system can potentially do, it's rare, but it can be done, is you could potentially get your job back. The Human Rights Tribunal can order the employer, if they violated your human rights, mm-hmm. if they let you go because of a human rights uh, violation, to take you back with back pay. So mm. if, the, if the legal process takes a year, for example, in, in human rights, and after a year then the employer has to take you back, they also have to pay you a year's wages. So something to keep in mind. Does it leave uh, some sort of permanent record on the employer's whatever that they've had? Well, a yeah, right? yeah okay. it, it does. And yeah. a lot of employers would very much like to avoid that. Yeah. We'll take a, a short break. The number is one 821 5900 to get hold of Lior anytime. We'll get to some more emails as well. You want to send one over. Simple. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Getting through a bunch of emails uh, in just a little bit here. Lior at employmenthour.com and one 821 That's Lior's direct number for today. Uh, we're going to finish up here with the returning to work after a disability or extended leave. Now, what should uh, employers do if they have an employee on disability? And it's, it's all on the up and up. They just want to know and get some information about when that employee's coming back to work, if they are. Yeah, and you know, I, I can absolutely understand that from the employer standpoint. So you have an employee that's it's gone off on disability. You don't know how long they're going to be there. You don't know if they're going to be coming back or when they're going to be coming back. You have a job that you need to do something with. The work has to get done. So do you wait? Do you hire someone? Uh, What do you do? So the first uh, piece of advice I have is that the employer really should be getting some more information from the employee. So I I wouldn't be satisfied with just a doctor's note and handwritten doctor's note and a white piece of paper that says uh, uh, the employee is going to be off till further notice. The employer at that point needs to provide a, a letter for the employee to take to their doctor, mm-hmm. uh, which would ask specific questions. There's a form that I use uh, for my clients on that that would ask the doctor specific questions in terms of the, the prognosis, when the employee is going to be uh, examined next, the likelihood of return to work, timing, etc. So that gives the employer some more information, and the employee is going to be required to take that to their doctor, have the doctor fill that in. And, and bring it back to the employer. Now, in situations where the employee is going to be faced with a longer absence, so it's not just going to be a week or two, uh, and you know the employee is going to be out indefinitely or a few months or longer than that, well, what does the employer do then in terms of, well, the job has to be done. Can I hire someone to replace right, the person? Right, the interim, right? Well, the answer is yes. Ultimately, the employer has to do whatever they need to do to run their business. And if that means uh, hiring uh, the employee back, uh, or sorry, uh, hiring someone to replace the employee at this point, then they have to do that fine. That doesn't relieve them from their obligation to, to make real back. efforts okay. to take the employee back. And it's only in situations where uh, when the employee comes back and there's just no real possibility to take them back because there's just no possible work for them. It's like a frustration of contract type of thing? It's a a question of what's reasonable. So we don't Mm -hmm. have to make a job, create a a job for you that doesn't have value to us. But because uh, we had to hire a replacement, you were, you were gone six months, so you know someone has to be here and, mm-hmm. and, and press the buttons on the machine. 
Uh, now you're ready to come back to work. There's no job for you. Uh, legitimately, we, there's nothing we can do. At that point, we can terminate the employee, uh, but and it would not be a human rights violation because we're not refusing to hire them back. It's just a situation where there's really no job. Right. Uh, we'll talk about frustration of contract in a second. Yep. But for employers, really, it's important to understand that you do you do need to do what you need to run your business. But that does not relieve you from the obligation to make real efforts to try to take an employee back after a disability leave. We got to an email here. This is Bevan Aurora, right? Says, now that my son is in preschool, I need to be able to leave work 30 minutes early to pick him up on time. My employer, we've heard this before, uh, my employer has said uh, that he'll only let me do this for a month, and that's it. What can she do? Yeah, and, you know, we have dealt with this before. Uh, we've talked already this show about human rights. Mm-hmm. Well, another aspect of human rights is the employer cannot or has to accommodate an employee's family status. Family status means uh, a few things. One of them means being in a parent and child relationship. So if an employee has certain obligations that they have to be able to meet by virtue of being a parent, and the only way they can meet those obligations is through accommodation from their employer, the employer has to provide that accommodation as long as it's reasonable. So in this case, if really the only way that Bev can meet her child care responsibilities to to pick up her son is by leaving work uh, early, uh, then the employer has to provide that accommodation. If there's other reasonable means available to her, you know, a, a parent, a spouse, or some, some a other friend, arrangement. Or whatever, a friend, another mother. Right. Uh, the primary obligation is hers to try to make other arrangements. Right. But if really the only way she could do it is that way, the employer has to provide that accommodation. Um, and because 30 minutes is reasonable, the employer can't say it's only for a month. Okay, that could be indefinite. And if the employer refuses to provide that accommodation when it's required to do so, that's a human rights violation. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal. And, and, and there's recourse available. There was a, a case that made the the media a couple of years back, where uh, someone was let go for for that reason because she needed a different shift to meet uh, their family obligations. Or sorry, she wasn't even let go. The employer just refused to to uh, to provide that accommodation, and that employer got dinged significantly. By the uh, by, the human rights wow. tribunal. Wow. So yeah, I, I would urge her to see if she can make other arrangements. And if she cannot, and the employer refuses to provide that accommodation, please give me a call. And this doesn't matter if it's midstream. You've been working there for thirteen years, and all of a sudden now you decide to have a child. And now you need the thirty minutes. Doesn't matter. It does not matter okay. at all. And you know that's what happens in most cases. A lot yeah. of people you know work, and at some point during the course of employment have a child. And by the way, just interesting, that doesn't necessarily even apply to, to children. So for example, you may have an elderly parent right. that you're caring for. Uh, and by virtue of you having to care uh, to care for that parent, you may need some accommodation from work. Mm-hmm. You may need to be able to leave at certain times to take the parent to a medical appointment, or you may need to to relieve their care provider at a certain time. Uh, that is accommodation. That's family status as well. So the employer has to provide that accommodation as well. Let's get into uh, before the break termination of employees on disability leave. Now describe a, a common situation when that happens. You know, and, and that happens uh, far too often, more often than it should. And a common situation is very simple. Uh, an employee has been off on disability, usually for a longer period of time. They, they, they got better. They're very excited. They contact their employer and says, okay, I want to come back to work. Only for their employer to say, what are you talking about? You've been gone for so long. There's no job for you. Who, who are you? Or the employer simply says, no, we're not going to take you back, and they terminate their employment. Uh, and and that, that you know causes a chain reaction mm-hmm. of things, uh, which we'll talk about after the break. But the, the, the message here 
you know, to start off is doing that is actually illegal. An employer does have the right, uh, an employee does have a right to come back to work, uh, and it's only very limited situations that the employer does not actually have the legal obligation to take him back. Take a short break. The number to call, one 821 5900 You want to drop an email, we'll get to more of those. After a short break, Lior at employmenthour.com. This is the Employer Hour that you're listening to on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number to call anytime is one 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior. You can email as well, Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll be taking another email here in a few minutes. Uh, maybe it's something that uh, situation you're in, we'll, we'll find out. Though. I, let me throw this one at you, see if you can answer this there. Wizard. What are the chances of me being able to? Probably fairly high, <laughs> based on the last two years. Uh, <laughs> how about this? Does an employee, let me think about it, does an employee on a disability leave, get severance, uh, even though they're not able to work? How about that? Yeah, and you know, great, great question, and even some lawyers get confused with this. I've, <laughs> I've had uh, many situations. So, so here's the scenario. Uh, an employee is on a disability leave. Yes. Okay. And the employer needs to let them go. Let's assume it's a legitimate reason. There's no uh, improprieties. Maybe the, the whole department shut down. Everyone mm-hmm. has to be let go. And the, empl- the employee is being let go while they're on leave. And the employer says, wait a second. Uh, let's say I owe them 12 months notice. But if I was giving them notice, they wouldn't be working. Right, because they're they're disabled. They're not going to be able to work for the next twelve months. So why do I have to pay them severance? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as logical as that may seem, what our courts have said unequivocally is that even if someone is unable to work when you're let go, when they're let go, they have to get their full severance as if they were working. The same amount that they would have gotten had they were, had they been actively at work, including whatever bonuses they would have gotten, their benefits, etc. So just because you're not working while you're being let go does not mean you don't get severance, does not mean your severance gets reduced. In fact, I would suggest that you probably get more severance. The reason for that is if you're suffering from a medical condition, if you're disabled and you're let go, that probably means it's going to take you longer uh, to find a job than someone that's completely healthy. So the fact that this is going to make it more difficult for you to find the job is a factor that does have the impact of increasing your severance. So if I went off on leave or anybody went off on, on a medical leave, a disability leave, uh, you know, year 10 in their employment, and here we are three years later, now they're being let go. All, it's all in the up and up. Is their severance based on 13 years? Yeah, it's exactly right. So wow. the time that you're on a leave of absence, uh, medical leave of absence, I should say, disability leave, counts towards your overall employment. It does count. Now, uh, l- l- let me give you a, an extreme example. I've given it before, I think, on the show, but, it, man, it, this was a, a crazy one. Uh, in this case, actually, uh, one of my clients that runs a, a health club in Toronto uh, uh, got a letter uh, from uh, from an individual uh, that said, wait a second, you, uh, uh, you cut off my benefits. Why did you do that? And the employer had no idea who this person was, so they did some digging, and they found out that this person was an, their employee uh, 30 years ago. And at that point, uh, they went on a disability leave. So they had worked for two years, 30 years ago, oh went on God. disability leave, had benefits for the whole time. This person didn't know it? Uh, th- this person knew it. They had benefits. Okay. But the company didn't realize that they're still there getting benefits. Oh, my God. Somehow the benefits get cut off, and this person writes me and says, where, where are my benefits? I've had them for the last 30 years. But here's the interesting thing is from a legal standpoint, this person now, because their employment had not been terminated, is now a 32-year employee. I smell two years. Yeah. Holy cow. And, And even though they worked for the company for two years only, 30 years ago. So it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. It just makes the point that while you're on a disability leave, uh, you continue to accrue service. So, you know, the, the advice for employers is 
don't forget about employees on disability. <laughs> no kidding. But, but you know, it, we're laughing about it, and, and, and it's kind of funny in a way. But it's kind of easy to forget about it. If someone's off for a long period of time, you've hired someone, you've kind of moved on, it's, it's easy to forget that you actually have this employee out there somewhere mm-hmm. in, in no man's land on, on a disability leave. Don't forget about them because that can come back and, and, and haunt you, and that, that employee continues to accrue service. Yeah, and the moral to the people off, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Stay quiet. And I've advised more than one employee to do just that. <laughs> no yeah, kidding, right? Absolutely. Does all this apply to people, on, or at least women, not people, women on maternity leave? It, similar principles apply okay. uh, in, in the sense that obviously a woman is entitled to take a maternity leave, a, a mm-hmm. father is entitled to take a parental leave, uh, and, and the employer can't obviously and shouldn't do anything about that. The the only exception is they're actually the, the uh, women on maternity leave have even greater protections. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is an employer, in fact, cannot terminate an employee on maternity leave, uh, even if the reason is unrelated to her leave. So if you're on disability and I let you go while you're on disability, but the reason has nothing to do with your disability, I'm allowed to do that. That's not a human rights violation. But if you're a a woman and you're on a pregnancy leave or a maternity leave and, you know, three months into your one-year maternity leave, I let you go, that's a human rights violation, even though the reason may be unrelated. And the reason for that is this. I have the obligation to take you back to work at the end of the year, okay? I have that legal obligation. So if I let you go three months into that leave, how do I know that I can't meet that obligation in a year? So today, I may not have a job for you. But nine months from now, I may have a job for you. Nine months from now, I may be desperate for people with your uh, skills to do the work. So an employer cannot terminate an employee on maternity leave uh, without that being a human rights violation. Uh, so, so remember that. And of course, if an employer refuses to take uh, someone coming back from maternity leave back to work to the same job with the same pay, that is a huge no-no. That is a human rights violation in addition to being a wrongful dismissal. So uh, very important to understand that. And it doesn't matter even if you offer that person full severance, full pop. Still full, can't do it. Absolutely. Cannot wow. do it. No. Wow. Let's go. Uh, we've got time for one quick email. Before you, yeah, we'll take a quick email. Now, that Sean's obviously listening to the show today because he writes in. Again, it's Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. He says, I own a small business with five employees. Five. One of the employees has recently gone off on a disability leave. There you go. I have no idea how long he'll be away. Is there a way to find out? Can I, uh, can I hire someone to take over his job this is exactly what we're talking yeah, about no it's a, it's a good question here mm-hmm. and then yes so th- what i'll say is this as i've said before yes you want to provide uh the employee with a, a letter to take to his doctor or her doctor that would provide you additional information i can provide you with that document if you want so it's going to require the doctor to give you some more specific information than just he can't work right uh so that may allow you to plan in the meantime if you absolutely have to hire someone in order to be able to run your business you can hire someone but i would wait to do that until you know that the employee mm-hmm. is going to be off for an extended period of time but even if you do hire some someone as i said when the employee is ready to come back to work you still have the legal obligation to make all reasonable efforts to take them back take a quick break you want to shoot us an email we'll get it on the air hopefully this hour lior l-i-o-r at employmenthour.com and lior's number anytime 1-855-821-5900 lots more of the employment hour coming up on talk radio am 640 and am 900 chml lior's number is 1-855-821-5900 write that down keep it in your pocket 1-855-821-5900 and lior at employmenthour.com we're talking about uh, leave and disability and getting your severance uh, how about this how is severance calculated for an employee who is on disability leave. Yeah, and you know, it's really going to be calculated uh, with a minor exception in the same way as everyone else, which means we're going to look at the person's age, 
length of employment and position. And remember, with respect to length of employment, we're going to look at all service, including the time spent on leave. Okay. So it's going to be the same. Same factors are going to apply, and you can go to severancepaycalculator.com if you're ever in that situation or any time you've lost your job uh, to find out how much you'd be owed. The only uh, difference, as I've said, is you may actually get a bit, a bit of a bump up, if you will, a bit more if you're on disability leave because it's going to be potentially more difficult for you to find another mm-hmm. job. So the usual rule, uh, rules apply. There's no specific or special rules on disability. That assumes, of course, that the termination itself is legal, that it's not in violation of the Human Rights right. Code. Does the, uh, does the termination and or severance impact a person's disability benefits that they're receiving from an insurer? Like, do they get cut off? Uh, uh, good question. Uh, so what our courts have generally uh, said, first of all, is that an employer cannot reduce the amount of severance by the amount that the insurance company is paying. So the em- employer can say, wait a second, employee, I have to pay you uh, $5,000 a month for six months, but you're getting $3,000 a month from the insurance company. So I'm giving the- you two. So I'm giving you two. I'm <laughs> right. going to give you the difference. You yeah. can't do that. As long as the employee is the one that paid the premiums for the disability coverage. So if you have insurance disability coverage, 95% of the time the employee pays the premiums for that. So in which, in which case the employer can't deduct that. That said, it's quite possible that if you get six months compensation from your company, that the insurance company is going to stop paying for that period of time because you're, not, you're then going to have two incomes for a period of time. So it doesn't mean that you get cut off. It just means that your, your benefits may be suspended for oh, wow. a little while uh, mm-hmm. while, you're, while that severance exists. Uh, and after that, you can resume getting compensation from the insurance company. 1-855-821-5900. How about this? Uh, we talked about this earlier. I want to get to it. Frustration of contract. What is it and when does it occur? Excellent. Uh, yeah, excellent question, John. And this comes up very, very often. In the context of uh, disability, frustration of contract happens when an employee is off for a very long period of time and when there's no prognosis or no prospects for them coming back to work uh, in the near future. So usually frustration of contract would happen if an employee has been off for work for at, for at least two years, I would say, in most cases, sometimes even more than that, number one. And number two, doctors, uh, the doctors of the employee are saying that there's, it's really unknown if the person is ever going to come back to work, and they're certainly not able to give us any uh, specific uh, return to work date. At that point, what does that mean? It means that the employer could potentially treat uh, the employee's employment as being at an end and saying, okay, it's not your fault, it's not our fault, you've been off for so long that that relationship has just ended. Mm-hmm. We didn't really terminate your employment, it's just the contract of employment has become frustrated. So again, very lengthy absence, number one, and number two, no prognosis of, of, uh, or no likelihood of return to work. Now, the last point I'll make about frustration is that even if that happens, even if the employer can show frustration of contract, the employer still has to pay some severance. Not full severance, okay? Oh, really? A portion of the employee's severance, their minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act still have to be paid. So uh, for some people, that could still mean a lot of money. Uh, And again, most employers that... that, terminate relationship or that end the relationship because of frustration may pull the trigger uh, way too soon. There's been cases uh, before the courts where someone was off for six years and this still wasn't frustration of contract because at the time he was let go, uh, the doctors were saying he may come back to work still. Mm-hmm. Very common uh, occurrence here, an email we just got uh, from Todd in Chatham says, after I was let go, I called the Ministry of Labor. Hello. Oh, well. And uh, they told me that I am only entitled to get this three-week severance from my employer after I worked for three years. I accepted the company's five-week severance offer. I guess he thought it was pretty good. He says, after listening to your show and using the severance pay calculator, it seems I was owed much more. Is there anything I can do? 
Yeah, and other than cry. Uh, yeah, and, and the first thing I, I, I think is to cry because that, that's that's a very bad situation, very similar to what I was mm-hmm. talking uh, at the top of the show in terms of the uh, the week that was. So uh, yeah, in this case, the Ministry of Labor was wrong. There's no question. And this this email that we got, this scenario is something that happens every single day, a bunch of times every day, five days a week, yeah. and it's very frustrating. The only thing he could do here, if in fact he signed a, a legally valid release in favor of the employer, is potentially to go after the Ministry of Labor for negligence because they were negligent in telling him that all he gets is three weeks. That's not true. That's not even close. I don't know all his particulars, but he could easily be entitled to six months to eight months of compensation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he accepted five weeks because of this negligent advice. So what I would propose is that uh, this person give me a call. Let me take a look at the document you actually signed in favor of the employer to see if we have recourses against the employer. If we determine that we don't, we can talk about potentially pursuing the Ministry of Labor in, in this situation. Don't you think by now the Ministry of Labor is sick of getting sued? <laughs> like, you know, just smarten up, quit giving people and, advice. And I, I, I think they should be, and I think they are, but I can tell you that in my practice, not a week goes by still. Okay, After I've brought this, this issue out to light a couple of years ago, uh, where I don't get contacted by people that say, here's what the Ministry of Labor have told me. Uh, and without exception, every single time, it's wrong. Of course. one 821 5900 is the number, and the uh, email is lior at employmenthour.com. Now, if I'm an employer or a, an employer and uh, I want to terminate an employee for frustration, we mentioned frustration of contract, what are the steps I have to go through? What do I have to do? So first of all, you have to assure yourself that the absence has been lengthy enough. So we don't even talk about that usually before we hit the two-year mark on the absence, number one. Number two, you have to ask, the, if you haven't heard from the employee in a while, you have to ask them from a, for an updated, updated letter from their doctor that outlines what their uh, prognosis is and what the likelihood of return to work. So that's what you have to do. It's only if you get that letter and says, can't return to work, or it's unknown if they'll be, be able to return to work, that you can uh, argue frustration of contract. So you need that letter from a doctor. And if that letter says, well, he's going to be evaluated again in two months, you have to wait that two months and see what happens then. So if, if, if you... Determine that there's no likelihood of return to work. That's when frustration happens. And then, of course, as I've said, you still have to pay some severance, the minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. Quick break. The number is one 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior. And we'll get to another email after the break. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Lior's number is one 821 5900 All day, every day, he's got that with him. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Com. We're going to wrap up our disability leave conversation here, get into uh, more information about uh, Severance Pay Calculator, something you should be using and have uh, the app for it on any of your devices. First of all, uh, does an employer have to continue benefit coverage for employees on disability leave? So, you know, it, it's a question that seems simple, but it's a bit more complicated. So mm-hmm. let me explain it the best way I can. So the short answer is no. An employer does not have to continue wow. benefit coverage for an employee on a disability leave in the same way that the employer does not have to pay salary to an employee on a disability leave. Uh, you know, uh, the idea is simply being you work, you come into work, and in return we pay you, we continue, you have benefit coverage. If you can't come to work, that's fine, but we're not going to pay you, and you're not going to have benefit coverage. So, so if an employer stops paying or having benefit coverage for the employee when the employee goes on a disability leave, They're allowed to do that. Now, where things get more interesting or more complicated is if the employer does continue benefit coverage, but at some point down the road wants to cut those off. Because if the employer continues the benefit coverage, that then becomes a term of employment, Mm -hmm. being I have benefits even if I'm on disability. So if the employer wants to then, you know, a year later, six months later, what have you, cut off those benefits, 
the employer then is changing a term of employment. And what, what do we call that, John? Constructive dismissal. We call that a constructive dismissal. Hey-o, yeah. pass the test. He's, he's learned something, yeah, right? Taking two years. Yeah, two years at least, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe next week we should do a quiz, John. No, no, no. But so, so the employer can eventually end up constructively dismissing the employee if they cut off benefits while they're, while they're on disability. So the short answer is if they didn't have benefits at all while on disability, okay. If the employee had benefits and, the, and then the employer wanted to cut it off, that could be an issue. Let me wrap this one up here, this, uh, this topic anyway, with this question, though. Uh, best advice you can give employers, employers, if they have to terminate an employee that's on disability? Uh, well, first of all, uh, make sure that the reason is unrelated to the disability. Have a, a memo to file or something on file, that, uh, the employee's file, that shows why you let the employee go. It cannot look and it cannot be that you let someone go because they're on disability, number one. Uh, number two, don't be stingy on the severance. Really, really be careful on that. Pay the employee what uh, what they you owe them because you want them to sign off on that. You don't want to get involved in a legal battle. So again, have good reasons, be able to prove those reasons, and don't be stingy on your severance. Let's uh, bounce over to an email here. We'll get to one more before the, uh, the end of the show. Let me roll down to uh, Sharon in Toronto says, uh, I was let go with nine months remaining on my contract of employment. My employer said that because I only work for three months, I'm not entitled to any severance. Is this correct? Yeah. Well, John, you want to take a stab at that one? Yeah. She's how about the other six months of the contract. Yeah. That'd be actually, great. I think she says nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Nine months. She did three. So there you go. No, yeah. Nine months remaining. Yeah. So dish. So, so exactly. This is what we call a fixed term contract of employment. Mm-hmm. With the fixed term contract, the rule is this. If the employer terminates early, the employer has to pay out the balance of the contract, okay? So if this is a 12-month contract, she worked for three months. Well, my math says this is nine months left, so the employer has to pay that nine months. So very, very important. A lot of employers get this wrong. Employees get this wrong. So very important that you give me a call to discuss this because she's owed nine months' compensation, full stop. Yeah. Let's get to uh, severancepaycalculator.com. We've been uh, talking about this for a couple of years, and it's uh, it's an excellent little tool. Yes, it's, it's, it's not literal anymore. It's yeah. become very, very popular. We've had uh, tens and literally tens of thousands of people use it. People use it every single day. So you go to severancepaycalculator.com. You input your information there, uh, how long you've worked, how old you are, the type of job. And by the way, it's completely anonymous, John. And it tells you how much compensation you should be getting from your employer if your position ends. Now, up until now, this information is only available by calling a lawyer. And uh, I know some some lawyers, uh, you and I have talked about, they charge over $1,000 to, to give you that information. Take it easy. I, I think that that information should be available to everyone. That's why I created the Severance Calculator. It's also available as an app on iPhone, iPad, and Android, or you just go to severancepaycalculator.com, and you get the information right there. And more recently, there's uh, terminationquestions.com, which is very cool as well. Right, because a lot of people have other questions. They don't necessarily want to know the number of, of months that the employer wants to pay them or has to pay them. So I've created terminationquestions.com. We do the show every week. You see how many questions we get by mm-hmm. phone, by email every week. So on terminationquestions.com, you can log on at any time. Uh, and, and post a question right there, and I answer right online. I'm pretty diligent, myself and my colleagues. We probably answer within a few minutes. So you see it as an extension of this radio show. If you, know, you, you didn't get a hold of us live here on the air, you go to terminationquestions.com, ask your question anytime. I promise you'll get an answer. If we need to talk after that, we will. It's completely anonymous. And again, literally, uh, in, in the couple of months that we've had this going on, we probably had a, few th- a couple thousand people mm-hmm. already use it. It's a great tool. 
Last couple minutes here before we wrap for another show. I, I swear we're going to start doing this at the end of every show, make it a benchmark. That is, uh, again, briefly, why people, because we had emails about this today, do not call the Ministry of Labor. <laughs> the, yeah, and, and, you know, it comes down to the fact that a person has minimum entitlements and, and the same person has full entitlements, okay? Your minimum entitlements are a small fraction when it comes to termination of your full entitlements. And the Ministry of Labor can only advise you and, and does only advise you with respect to your minimum entitlements, okay? That's why the confusion happens. So if you call the Ministry of Labor and ask them how much severance should I get after three years, they're going to tell you three weeks because those are your minimum entitlements. Mm-hmm. Your full entitlements are significantly greater. They can be five times that, can be ten times that, more than that. And the only way to find that out is to get legal advice from an employment lawyer or go to severancepaycalculator.com. If you call the Ministry of Labor, you're going to get, unfortunately, the wrong advice. And if you rely on that, you could be walking away from tens of thousands of dollars that you are legally owed. And if we get it, we mentioned uh, way back at the beginning of the show, if you start a claim with them against a former employee, you're in deep trouble. You're in deep trouble. Then you've given up your rights to pursue your full entitlements. Bad idea. I don't want anyone to be in that situation. So let's avoid it altogether. Just severancepaycalculator.com. That's the only place you need to go. You got it. We'll uh, we'll take it for there for another week. We'll join you again next weekend here. And uh, in the meantime, the number to call Lior anytime, one 821 5900 and the email, Lior, L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.